So, we're going to be looking at Psalm 1 to 41. Has many people been reading it over the last few weeks? Yeah, oh, it's great. Because one of the first slides we're going to look at is the Bible reading plan that maybe some of you used uh, on a daily basis if you wanted to. Getting there, great. And for me, it was really encouraging to sort of use that and to know that quite a few other people as well were perhaps using it on the same day. Maybe not always the same psalm, because sometimes you intend to read the Bible, but you don't. You're out all day and you don't quite get up early enough in time. Right, okay, there we go. Brilliant. This is the thing we're on about. So maybe some of you are using this over the last few weeks. It's still available on the internet, uh, and there's still some hard copies, I think, if we want to. So there's plenty more encouraging psalms we could have looked at today because we've looked at seven different psalms over the last last eight weeks and there's some really encouraging ones that we could look at but I thought it might be better instead of being encouraged as it were is to look at a hot potato as people might call it something that's a challenging question a tricky question maybe even today you've asked God this question How long? How long before I can afford a house of my own? How long before I'm healthy again? How long before my friend becomes a Christian? How long will it be before I have a husband or a wife? How long before I get a promotion or a new job? How long before I get my exam results? How long before I get the date for an operation? How long before my house sells? How long before that person stops being nasty to me? How long, God? How long? And when I look round as I was reading some of those out, some of you are nodding and thinking, yeah, that's a good one. I've got any answers for that? No, I've got no answers today, let me tell you. So we might think about it, but the idea, the idea is not to think, oh, excellent, one of the hardest things to, to know about is how long. There's no ready answer, there's no easy answer, is there? But maybe today, we're just going to think about it a little bit and consider what we can do and how it happens. Because Paul talked a little bit last week about uh, waiting amongst other things. And so we're just talking about waiting today. And so if you know the Psalms 1 to 41, you're probably thinking, I know which Psalm he's going to be reading about, and that's Psalm 40. So let's turn to Psalm 40. I'm going to read a version that perhaps you don't read so often, and that's the voice. So I'm going to read that out, but have a look at your NIV or your ESV or your NLT or whatever it is version that you've got that you used to have that open as well but I'll be reading what it says over here so this is Psalm 40 just verses 1 to 3 for the worship leader a song of David I waited a long time for the eternal he finally he finally knelt down to hear me he listened to my weak and whispered cry He reached down and drew me from the deep, dark hole where I was, stranded, mired in the muck and clay. With a gentle hand, he pulled me out to set me down safely on a warm rock. 
he held me until I was steady enough to continue the journey again. As if that were not enough, because of him my mind is clearing up. Now I have a new song to sing, a song of praise to the one who saved me. Because of what he's done, many, many people will see and come to trust in the eternal. So that's Psalm 40, verses 1 to 3. I've mentioned a really hard question. Here's a really easy question. What's your favourite colour? Tell me. Purple, red, blue, yeah, pink, lovely. Anyone else got any colours that they like? Blue, okay. Any other sort of like cerise or turquoise or something? Any other really nice shades of a colour that you like? Indigo, lovely. Teal, teal, what a lovely colour. Okay, here's another easy question connected with colours. Which is your favourite colour traffic light? Green. Is everyone saying that? Yeah, because that's the way we are. We don't like waiting, do we? If we look at the traffic lights, being first at a red light doesn't make you joyous. It doesn't, does it? If you've just got caught and you're the first one there, you're thinking, praise the Lord, praise (laughs) the Lord, aren't you? It doesn't make you joyful. It doesn't make you think, I'm going to bless those pedestrians or the other drivers because they're allowed to go. I'm waiting because I like people to just take my place, to go, and that'll be fine. Yeah, it's like sometimes you really have to wait just in that place in Anitan or in other places. We don't like waiting. Society says waiting is bad. If you want to have super fast broadband, that's got to be far better than the broadband we had years ago, the dial-up or no broadband at all. Maybe if you're looking for a new savings account, you need instant access. Maybe if you're trying to lose a bit of weight, I'm looking upwards, so I'm not looking at anyone in particular. (laughs) Maybe you just want to uh, say to yourself, I want a, a diet that takes my weight off straight away. That's what you want, isn't it? Maybe if you want a new sofa, you don't want to save up for it. You want instant cre- uh, credit. That's, you can just have straight, quite wise, Barbara. Yeah, you don't want instant credit, but some people do. We don't want to wait. We want to have it now. It is. Well, my generation as well is still sort of saved. But lots of people that we meet and the adverts say wasting Uh, waiting is wasted time time's in short supply it's not really but it seems like it and if we waste time it might cause friction in our lives with other people and just with ourselves sometimes though if you've just got to wait a short time perhaps that's okay and sometimes maybe you've got ideas where you just wait maybe an hour or wait for five minutes for the kettle to boil or something. That's okay. Last month I was in London, and I waited around especially to see two people. This was the first person, and it was poor Simon. Whoa, he's great. I think he's a great composer and singer. So I I stood where I knew he would be, because I wanted to see him. And I stood there for an hour or so, but it was worth it, because I saw him. Here's someone else. 
Paul Hollywood, again, I sort of think he's a great sort of person on the telly, a good baker and everything. If you don't know him, he's a sort of a baker on television. And he's sort of uh, he's quite interesting chap. So I stood outside where Radio 2 is broadcast and waited for him. I thought, I'll just take a photo because I think he's quite a good chap. If you've got an exam, you're going to know approximately how long before the exam is and you know how, to, how long to wait. If you're having a baby, approximately you've got a bit of an idea how long it is and so you can prepare your house, you can prepare your mind. You've got an idea. But sometimes in life, it's not just waiting a little bit. It just seems that God's put a pause button on your life. It just seems there's no end to what's happening. It's just waiting indefinitely. And that's really tricky. Because if you just wait for a short time, you can just think, oh yeah, it's going to be all right. Paul Simon's going to be coming out or someone else is going to come out. I'll see him, take him a photo. That'd be nice. But if we've got problems in our lives that list of questions that I've read out, how long? Then sometimes you just think, how long, God? You might even shake your fist a little bit or just grumble a bit to God and say, Lord, how long? Are you putting me on pause forever? Just like when you ring someone up, a call centre, and they'll just say, I'll be back in a minute. And five minutes later, you're still waiting. Your blood pressure starts to rise, it might do, might it? If you're just thinking... How long are you going to be? I only wanted a quick answer. But this is a bigger thing than that, isn't it? When we just seem to be on pause in our life and nothing seems to be happening. It's just waiting. Sometimes waiting is God's plan A for us. The best. And we can think, oh, it's so hard. I don't want to have plan A as waiting. I want plan B. D or E or F is the waiting. I want to just be on the green lights all the way through. The psalmist we read about in Psalm 40, maybe David, maybe someone else, he was waiting patiently, expectantly and fruitfully. And the interesting thing about this in the Hebrew is they have two Hebrew words, one after the other. And those words, I've written down somewhere, kavo kaviti. So he's just emphasising, I waited, waitingly. That's what happens in Hebrew sometimes. You'll read some of the Psalms and they'll say something, then they say almost the same again, or sometimes exactly the same again, because they're just emphasising, yes, this is really important, this is something that's truthful. So he really waited, diligently and earnestly and patiently. And he continued to hope and believe, even when it seemed that his prayers wouldn't be an answer. Life was terrible. He wasn't just nearly in the pit, he was at the bottom of it. Can you imagine being in the bottom of a pit? What it would be like? Maybe physically, maybe metaphorically, just thinking about that. Just think how dark and slimy it might be. The Hebrew words kind of make it seem like it was a noisy place. Maybe his head was spinning and he was thinking, oh, there's so much going on. You know, when things are noisy, you just want a bit of calmness and silence, don't you, to make a decision. This pit wasn't like it. It was desolate. It was noisy. It wasn't an easy place to be in. Maybe at the beginning, 
He was shouting, help, 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 to God. But maybe after a few days, or a few weeks or months of still saying that same prayer, Lord, how long? How long before you do this? How long before this happens? Maybe his energy levels dropped. Maybe his voice from being strong, help, help, got a lot more of a whisper, a lot fainter. Help God. I'm really at the end. Lord, how long will it be before you're going to help me? A whisper that he might have said. A lot of us maybe have heard of Corrie ten Boom. And she had a sister called Betsy. There's only two Betsies I know about. And this is one of them. And this is her, Betsy. Betsy ten Boom. And she was 1885 to 1944. And I don't know if you know their story, but uh, Corrie and Betsy and the father and mother and some of her other family were in Amsterdam. And they were helping the Jews to escape from the Nazis. You might have read the book, The Hiding Place. And they were, they, in the end, after a few years, they were found out and they were grasped to the authorities and they were taken to various concentration camps. And one of them was Ravensbrück. And that's where uh, Betsy died. And what they'd do, they'd be working hard all day, but somehow they'd smuggled a Bible in. And so at the end of their working day, they'd have a prayer meeting and a Bible study you can just imagine how hard it was for them, and yet they still were meeting to praise God and search out God together. But this is incredible. She said, there is no pit so deep that God is not deeper still. So our sort of situations, sometimes they can be bleak. Sometimes they're not good. But just consider being in a concentration camp because of what you've done to help others, you weren't a bad person at all. According to the authorities, you were. But you've been put in a concentration camp and you're made to work all day long and it's terrible and hard and you still worship God at the end of it and have Bible studies and pray and try and lead people to know the Lord as well. That's a def- definitely a terrible pit to be in. But she knew there is no pit so deep that God is, not, is deeper still. It's really encouraging in the NIV, in verse 1, going back to Psalm 40 again, that he says, he turned to me. And when someone turns to you, you can really see they're listening, can't you? They've got their eye contact. It's just like sometimes, perhaps, if you're at Asda or Sainsbury's or Tesco, and you want to have a chat with the operative, you know, the person doing a till, and they're just... They don't want to chat, they're not interested in you, they're just kind of just put the thing through and on to the next customer. But you want a bit of eye contact, or maybe they're talking to someone else that works there as well. But you're after eye contact. You're after them to turn to you just for like two minutes while you're there. What a brilliant thing though for the psalmist, for David maybe, that after all this praying and being in this dark pit, he knew that God turned to him. In the Hebrew, again, it's sort of saying that he inclined to him. So it's like bowing down to listen to him. Because you can imagine, like we were saying, that after all these days or weeks of being in this dark pit and his energy is gone, the person who helped him, God, must have been close to him, to hear him. Help, help, you've got to come lower. 
It reminds me as well, when you've got a toddler, how you sort of might be doing something here, and what do they do when they're trying to get your attention? This sort of thing, aren't they? Sort of they're sort of pulling on your trousers or giving your legs a bit of a smack, saying, I'm down here, I'm trying to get your attention, will you listen to me? And as we look down, so that's kind of the picture of God looking down on us and saying, I love you. Here's my hand. I'm pulling you out of the pit. And you know that God lifted David out of the pit at the right time. He could have done it straight away. But somehow, it was better for God to leave David in that pit a little longer. Maybe David tried to get out of the pit himself. But I'd imagine that made it worse because perhaps there was no foothold and he'd just go lower into the goo and the mire and the smelliness and the nastiness of it all as he just sunk into the, uh, into the pit. If you're interested in the First World War, you'll know about Passchendaele, how there was so much mud and muck and one of my relatives died there in 1917 and you just see just terrible landscape, no trees or just bits of trees but just mud and I've read how people were sucked into the mud and they were trying to get out by other people, but they just couldn't. And they'd just sink lower and lower. The mud was bringing them down. And maybe that's how David was until God lifted him gently out of that pit. Maybe it was a pit of despair. Maybe it was a pit of hopelessness or uncertainty. Maybe he thought it was a pit of destruction. Maybe it was a pit of confusion or danger. A pit of sorrow. A pit of, like we've said earlier, how long, God, must I wait? But God lifted him out gently. And then something else amazing. He put him somewhere safe. Got rid of all the goo and the smell and the uh, of what he was... Because I bet on his body, he had all this muddy stuff on him. But God cleaned him up. God sorted him out. God set him on a rock. But of course, if you look at the end of the psalm, seven, Psalm uh, 40, verse 17, you'll see that even though everything was going fine and there was a real testimony of newness and of joy... And, and pleasure, because God had done something new. He gave him a new song. Right at the end of the psalm, there's a fresh challenge again. Because isn't it so often that when we've been delivered for one thing, it's not long again before there's a new challenge, something else, another hurdle, another pit, you could say. This is what he said from the message at the end of the psalm. And me... Remember, he was all really good because I've waited patiently. God's heard my cry. He lifted me out. But this is what he's saying. I'm a mess. I'm nothing and have nothing. Make something of me. You can do it. You've got what it takes. But God, don't put it off. So again, he's saying, I have waited. I was patient. Everything was terrible. I was so agonized. But then, thank you, God, you did it. You brought me out of the pit. But how long, much later, I don't know, a few weeks later, a few months, I'm in a mess. God, will you show up again? Will you take care of me? There's plenty of people in the Bible that waited. Let's have a quick look at some of them. 
Noah and Mrs. Noah. I don't know her name. Would anyone like to say Mrs. Noah's name? Make one up. Joan. Joan. Okay, thank you. I was going to say Margaret, but because uh, there's lots of Margarets here, and that'd be nice. But we'll say Joan. Okay, so Joan, and not Mrs. Noah anymore, but Joan. And, oh, I get it now. Oh, Joan of Arc. Yeah. Oh, Malk. You got me thinking then. I thought, Joan? What's he on about? Malk. You, you're a treasure. In Malka treasure. Right. Joan of Arc. Yes. So Noah, Joan of Arc. How long did it take to build the Ark? Decades. Because it says so in the Bible. And then how long were they in the Ark before the rain came? Maybe a week. Maybe not. Maybe a few days. Depends how long they're getting all the animals in. What were the people saying around them? Ha, ha, ha. You silly person, or something like that, they might have been saying, and all the people around the ark thinking, ha, 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 what's he done that for? They have to wait. How about the next one? This is so extraordinary. How long, uh, how did Lazarus' sisters react to having to wait for Jesus? Jesus didn't come in a hurry, did he? Do you remember how many days he was? Four days. Yeah, four days. I'm sure he said four. That's it. Four days it was. Lazarus was definitely dead. Mary and Martha were beside themselves, weren't they? Jesus, if you'd have been here, I'm sure it would have been different. But how did they react maybe 20 minutes later after Jesus had been there? And suddenly, here's Lazarus coming out of his tomb. They had to wait. But wow. What about one of my favourite characters, Inquisitive Thomas. I didn't uh, draw this myself, I'm not that good at drawing. But this is perhaps what happened. Remember, Inquisitive Thomas, or Doubting Thomas, some people call him, wasn't with the other disciples when Jesus first came. He had to wait a week, and all the other disciples were excited. Yeah, we've seen Jesus, everything's great. Are you sure? What did he say? I'd like to see his hands and his feet and his side. What was going through Thomas's mind, I wonder? Here's another one. I remember sort of a few years ago, there used to be a song about this in Acts 3 and 4. They went walking and talking and praising God. You know the song? Um, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have I give thee. So, what did he feel like? He'd been there 40 years Acts 4.22, this cripple in Acts, 20, in, in Acts chapter 3. He'd been there 40 years. I bet he'd given up on God. Well, I'd have done after 40 years, I don't know. But suddenly, we've got Peter and John coming to the temple, and they looked at him, got his attention, and we know the story. Things happened, because at the right time, the cripple became whole again. Now, this one's only a story, the prodigal father and the prodigal son. But how long did the prodigal father have to wait for? Six months, a year, two years, until the younger son had spent his inheritance. But the Bible says how the prodigal father was looking. I wonder if he did it every day. Probably. I imagine I'm getting into the story, reading between the lines. He was looking. And then eventually... He saw his son coming, all sorrowful and wronged. And he put his arms out. Oh! Got a name, Malk? (laughs) Not this one. one. Someone give me a name. 
Alex. Okay, we'll say Alex. Thank you. So, oh, Alex, it's great to see you again. Oh, oh, but oh, I've been terrible. No, it's great to see you. His waiting didn't turn him against his son, but made him more loving his son, longing to see him again. Here's a quick one. What about this lady who had the issue of blood for 12 years? That's a long time to wait. And she'd spent all her money on doctors and things like that. I love this word in Greek, euthus, because it says, without a zigzag, immediate. So Jesus healed, him, without, healed her without a zigzag. He would have straight away. She'd had all this 12 years of going to the doctors. Oh, we've all been to the doctors, haven't we? Some more than others, but not getting things sorted out. But straight away, Jesus touches her and sorts her out. And there's loads more people we could think about. Moses, Abraham, Joseph, David, Jesus, the disciples. All these people waiting in the Bible. And waiting for what? It's interesting that the disciples had to wait several days. Here's that verse, Acts 1, 4 and 5, from the Holman Christian Standard Bible. This is Jesus sort of saying something. While he was together with them, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for the Father's promise. This, he said, is what you heard from me. For John baptised with water, but you will be baptised with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. That's incredible that even the disciples had to wait. Jesus said, wait. I wonder what we're waiting for individually. and what we're waiting for corporately. Sometimes we have our own agendas, don't we? Here's a few of my ideas. I want to follow God. I'm happily married. Did you know that? Yeah, I'm happily married, but I want to work at it. I want to provide for Jill and Reuben and other people. I want to work on other relationships. That's all of you. I've got a thirst for skills and knowledge and I want to let other people know about it. And I like travelling. I wonder what God says. Know me better. <laughs> That's God's plan A. Know me better. I might have all these ideas. God says, seek first my kingdom. Oh, I've got something awkward. Your agenda, you know what I'm going to what's going to happen when I press this next. <laughs> know me better. God says, know me better. And that might come through waiting. Might not. But sometimes it's the waiting that is uh, really useful and good. Now, one of my favourite kings of Judea or Judah, is Jehoshaphat. I think he's a great king, one of my favourite kings. And you might remember that in 2 Chronicles, because you read about him in 2 Chronicles 17 to 21 and 1 Kings 22. But in 2 Chronicles, there's these three armies coming against him. It was the Moabites, the Ammonites and the Munites. And they made a really large army. And here was little Judah and his great large army. So what did he do? He got everyone together and prayed and waited on God. I'm just so, sort of, think about what he says. It's just brilliant. Here's the end of his uh, prayer. We are powerless against this great horde that is coming against us. We do, not, we do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. 
Meanwhile, all Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives and their children. So all of Judah was saying this same prayer. Lord, we're waiting on you. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. They all owned that prayer together. And there's some prayers like that in Acts as well. Maybe you might have been on this photo from a few years ago. And what I want to say today is really, let's wait on God together. It's not just being separate and yes, they're sort of doing their own thing and that's what it is. But a lot of us are still here. And we can say, yes, Lord, I want to wait on you with other people. Now, quite a few of you use different versions of the Bible. Maybe the NIV, the KJV. It's often abbreviations that we use. So has anyone ever heard of the NSV? NSV. Wow, that's an, that's NSV. Standard Bible. Say again. Oh, is it? Well, I've just made it up this week, and I've called it the Nuneaton Sanctified Version, right? And this is my version of Psalm forty-one to three. Together we waited and prayed, then waited and prayed and shared coffee and waited some more and talked as we relied totally on the Lord for Fiona. She was in a right mess, all at sixes and sevens. As we stood with her, so God showed his love, concern and tenderness by lifting her out of the abyss of anxiety and pain and made her feel ten feet tall. We can't help but say, God is great. And that's the neat and sanctified version, as it says there. All right? So it's in print, so it definitely is true. But to get the idea, it's not just waiting on our own, but it's waiting together for each other. We heard... Uh, a quote from Betsy Ten Boom earlier. Here's one from Curry. When a train goes through a tunnel and it gets dark, you don't throw away the ticket and jump off. You sit still and trust the engineer. Perhaps in our lives, sometimes we're in a tunnel and it would be so easy to try and look for the emergency exit and say, God, take me out of this. It's too hard. I can't do it. God says, know me better. God says, wait. God says, trust me. God says, I love you. Know me better. The thing is, if you've listened to a lot of what I've been saying today, it seems really hard. Wait. It's in the Bible. All those characters, let's wait together. That's really hard. So is there anything good you can leave with us with John? I've got a couple of pictures. (laughs) A microwave and a slow cooker. Microwave. Immediate. Quick. Uh -uh. That's not what what it's about. Spirituality, Christianity, knowing God isn't a microwave thing, isn't an immediate thing. God brings the best flavours out of us by using a slow cooker. He doesn't just press a few buttons and 30 seconds later, we're changed, we're beautiful, we're marvellous. Sometimes it's the length of time 
that God does things in our hearts that changes us, that makes us new creations. God wants us to know him better. A microwave meal isn't so good, really. The best meals are slow-cooked when time's been taken over the preparation. So that's the Psalms. We've read these Psalms together, and these are the people that we've done it with. And you might remember that one of the things we're thinking about is all the different emotions that people might have. And we've looked at that page a little bit. But the underlying thing about the Psalms is that it's real people serving a real God. And it's just the same today. In 2016, we could have written these Psalms just like the Psalmists from 3,000 years ago. We are the same people. God is the same God. We're just the same. Nothing's changed, really. We might live in different houses from all those years ago. We might have different transport from all those years ago, have different jobs. But basically, we are the same as the psalmist. We need God. We need to trust God. We can praise God. And that's what the psalms is all about, that we can look at it and say, yes, Lord, you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And even though we as a people, like mankind, can get to know you, basically, we're in the mire, we're in the mud, and it's God's delight to bring us out, to change us, over time, as we wait on him. Over the next four weeks, there's uh, different preaching, but then in July and August, we're going to be thinking about revival, and what that means, and how, what it means to us, so that'll be something really blessing hopefully for all of us there. We're going to sing a song now, especially if the young people come back, it's 10 to now, so hopefully they're just going to be a moment. And it's not a song that you know at the moment, but if you want to listen to us sing it to you, and then you can uh, join in if you want to, or just think about the words, that'll be fine too.